Welcome to the Wayside Podcast. I'm Robert Killingsworth. The audio for this episode comes from a sermon that was given during one of our Sunday services. We hope you are encouraged and inspired by today's word. Good morning. What do you love? Not who, but what, what do you love? When it comes to what, my guess is your answers might be all over the page. You may love your home or your favorite pair of slippers or you may love your easy chair. You may love chocolate or cheese. I love my mornings. I love my coffee, my newspaper, my Bible, my prayer time. I love that quiet time. I sit in what I call my prayer chair and settle into my alone time. I love Reuben sandwiches. Uh, but because of my age and an overattentive physician, I only eat one a year, and I usually choose the place and time each year, different restaurant. I choose carefully that one Reuben because I know I won't get another one for a long time. I love pizza. Uh, but again, that's only on the calendar a few times a year. I have this little routine. I've shared it with some of you before that if my wife, Laura, has to go out of town or go out of town to see the grandchildren, she's not much into shoot 'em ups. And uh, so I build my list of movies between trips. She was recently out of town. I watched Equalizer 1 and 2. <laughs> I, pick, I pick out the movie I'm going to watch. I order a pizza, and I sit in a comfortable chair, and then I turn it up as loud as I want. <laughs> I love doing that. A few years ago, I was all teed up. Laura's out of town. I'd ordered my pizza, had the television blasting away. John Wick. If you've ever watched John Witt, there's a lot of blasting away. This is not recommended for children below the age of 18. Uh, and, and the pizza was being downed when I actually heard these words, sir, are you okay? And I thought perhaps it was from the television. I stood up. I saw police lights in front of my house. I walked to my little foyer, and there standing in the doorway was one of Houston's finest, about six feet, five inches tall, hand on his pistol. Again, sir, are you okay? Evidently, when I had taken my pup out for a little walk for my, for my violent feast, I had left the door open, and as our brave peace officer passed my home, all he could hear coming from the house was, blam, 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 blam. <laughs> You can imagine how embarrassed I was, particularly given what I was wearing, which is not something I wear in front of anyone except my wife. You see something in common about all those things I love, those what things, they are things, and I confess I share a character flaw with my friend Dave Peterson he has shared in his teaching uh, times here with us, St. Martin's, that by and large, he says, by and large, I'm a pretty nice guy unless something disturbs my comfort, my consumption, or my control. 
And I'll be honest, I find the same is true of me. By and large, I like my quiet time, but as noble as that may seem to you, it has all three components, comfort, consumption, and control. I confess, I get irritated when that little space gets involved. I wasn't too keen on that, that police officer showing up at my front door and on my man cave night. But there you have it. Loving things too much is a problem. If we love them so much that they begin pushing our love of others, our love of God out of the way, the Bible calls that idolatry, and it is sinful. In fact, the first four of the Ten Commandments, all of them in some way address the issue of idolatry. Who do you love? Your girlfriend, your husband, your best friend, your sister, your father, your cat, or your parrot. Though some of you may argue those are not who's. You just haven't met my cat, Ruby. Uh, As much as we would like it to be so, we have to confess that we do not love others perfectly. We often love conditionally. In our love for others, we can see those three C's getting in the way. I'm comfortable with my friend as long as she just doesn't challenge my opinion. I love my husband just as long as he lets me consume the time I want from him. I love my children as long as I can control their behavior. Those three, those three C's. Now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with loving good food or good night's sleep, nothing at all. And of course, there's no question that we should love others, those we love to love, and if we really are adherents of our faith, those, even those we don't like loving. But then there's just, there's little old me. There's that guy or gal in the mirror, and I find my love is often, my love is often fraught with confused and needy motives. So maybe the way to get things right with love is not to focus so much on the what or the who, but the how. And that's where this lesson from 1 Corinthians comes in that Jim just read for us a moment ago. For here, Paul Paul spells it out for us. Keep in mind, a lot of the Corinthian correspondence is Paul's word to a Christian community that was deeply divided. Ways of worship, particular lifestyles, even power and privilege. The church community was a hodgepodge of all kinds of people who loved all kinds of things, but their love for their favorite things and their love for their favorite kind of people had gotten in the way and the community was literally breaking apart. So in this beautiful passage known to most of us, because it's often read at weddings, we hear these words, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, and then, bam, love never fails.
boy, we could use that in today's world. Could they not use that in Washington these days? Could they not use that in Austin these days? I opened my Houston Chronicle this past Tuesday morning before putting this sermon together, and Tuesday morning there were three, not one, but three murders reported in our city. And those were just the ones that were reported. Paul on love was not at work there. We need Paul's kind of love for sure in so many places, but you may be sitting there thinking, yeah, we need it in Washington, Austin, Houston. You may be thinking, I sure could use that kind of love in my office, in my home, my marriage, my school. How do I love thee? Wrote the poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning. And Paul gives us a snapshot here, but it's hard. It's hard. If we're honest, it's hard. I'm, I am not always patient. I am not always kind. I do envy. I do boast. I'm a person who can be self-seeking. I can be easily angered. So if this is how we are supposed to love and yet we find it hard to live out our love in that way, what's a man or a woman to do? How do we learn to love like that? Well, to love as we ought, it has to begin with God. I have two dear Christian friends who have had a tough time with one of their children for years. In large part, the conflict has arisen because the parents are devoted Christians. So in the raising of their son, as long as he was under their roof, there were certain things they did not allow him to do. Their son's out of the house now, but he recently lashed out at both of them saying, you really did love your God more than me. And my friend and I, as we were talking about it one day, we agreed that the best answer we as Christians could give to that kind of accusation is, yeah, you got me. I did because I can't love perfectly. Only God can. So in order for me to love you as God would have me love you, I have to go to him first. So in order to love as we ought, the love has to begin with God. Specifically for we Christians, of course, Jesus Christ. In John's gospel, as we just heard Jill read, Jesus tells his apostles, this is the night before his death, that real love of others is actually the way others will know we are his disciples. Loving others is how others will know we're Jesus' followers. Not knowing our Bibles perfectly or church attendance or pious prayers or even tithing, which you're going, I can't believe Levinson's saying that. Don't get me wrong. Those are all things we are supposed to do as Christians. But the way others really know we are following Jesus is by our love. We know when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest of all commandments? He said, love God and love others. There was no PS. There was no footnote. Not even a quid pro quo. The greatest commandment is love God love others, 
full stop. But to be able to fully, richly love, we have to be connected to that divine source of love. There's no other way around it. God is love, and in order for us to love as he would have us love, we must love him, which means surrender ourselves to him as he's revealed in Jesus Christ. This means that we wake with the prayer on our lips today, not my will, but thine be done. And then we seek to live out that prayer by constantly handing over ourselves to God in Christ. One of the ways that the Bible describes our relationship with Christ is to say we are in Christ. You've heard that before. In Christo would have been the early words of the Greek church speakers. But in order to be in Christ, of course, he has to be in us. He has to dwell in us. The divine presence of the Almighty is to actually be found in our spiritual DNA, so to speak. If you think about it, Jesus' mother, Mary, she set a pretty good example for us. She willingly opened her womb to the DNA of God. Can you imagine how she felt? I, I think it's, it's too bad that story pretty much moves quickly from annunciation to birth because I'd love to hear more about the nine-month pregnancy with God, how God grew within her. Maybe that's the, an unwritten fictional novel. I wonder if, if his elbow moved across her belly. I ponder whether the Son of God would kick Mary in the bladder from time to time. <laughs> Can you imagine Mary kind of poking Jesus in the middle of the night? Joseph, Joseph. I was just awakened by the divine one again. <laughs> Get up. Get me something to eat. And she held him in until she could hold him no more. And then out he came. Divine love, all loves excelling, birthed into the world. That's what he means to do with you and with me. He wants to be in you, growing with such power and divinity, pushing his love within you so deeply, but that it has no place to go but to be birthed right out of you. Divine love is not born of lust, of want, or of need. Divine love is born of God. But now some of us, maybe some of you, cannot do that because you've put up a wall. We put up walls. We put up strong walls, tall walls, thick walls, such that God can't get in with his love. We can't love because we don't believe deep down he really loves us. Maybe you have a wall of guilt 
You've done something so horrible that it haunts you day and night. And so that wall keeps you from knowing God's mercy. Maybe you have a wall of, of resolute failure. You know, my dad was a drunk, so I'll have to be a drunk. My mom couldn't be faithful to my dad, so it's just a matter of time for me. You've resolved to relive that through which you've lived, and that wall keeps God's transforming power from your life. Maybe you've got a wall of hate. You were wronged or abused or neglected, and your wall of bitterness and anger seemed to you at least impenetrable by any power in this world or the next. But you know, God is in the business of breaking down walls, but we have to be willing to let him do so. Let me creep back to that, to the pizza story for just a moment, stretch out that metaphor. My controlled and comfortable world of consumption was interrupted that night by a peace officer gently tapping on my door with the word, sir, is everything okay? Maybe we need to see Jesus for who he is, a divine officer of peace. And he's constantly, gently, relentlessly tapping on our door, trying to break down through whatever walls we have built, whispering, are you okay? Are you okay? And you know, if we're honest, some of us are not. Some of us need to put aside the idols, turn off the sounds and invite him beyond the door of our hearts, beyond our foyer, into our living room. We need him to break down those walls the same way he broke open the waters of the Red Sea the same way he broke down the walls of Jericho, the same way he broke into the darkness of this world through his dear mother's womb, we need him to break into our darkness. The way he crushed the bricks and mortar of sin and guilt with his cross and his resurrection, we need him to crush the walls we have built that have kept his love at bay and have kept us from loving as he calls us to love. That takes what we in this house of God's world, takes faith. We just have to trust that the promises are sure and true. To you who feel lonely or neglected, he wants you to know, Isaiah 49, 16, I have you engraved on the palm of my hand. To you who feel guilt, or the heaviness of sin, he says, as far as the east is from the west so far, have I removed your sin from you? Psalm 103, 12. For those of you who feel trapped by anger or your addiction or your past, God says, behold, in my hands, I can make all things new. Revelation 21. Here's the deal. He just wants to love you. All he needs is a crack. 
just enough of a crack to get in. Behold, he says, Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock, and I'm asking, sir, madam, are you okay? And if you are not, then the rest of that verse is for you. If you listen, you will hear my voice, and you will open that door, and I will come in and be with you and you with me and my love will so fill you that all those walls will come tumbling down. His word to you is that if you will let him, he will so grow in you and through you that you will not have any choice but to let him be born in you and through you. And then, my brothers and sisters, you will love. You will live in love. And you will love because you will know you are loved by love itself. You will love because he first loved you. And that, my friends, is that's how you love. And a film called The Hurricane, great movie that stars a wonderful Christian man, Denzel Washington. He's uh, playing the professional boxer, Reuben Hurricane Carter. And as the film opens, we find Carter talking with a young boy named Lesra. Carter's been a victim of a false testimony of a racist and is about to be retried after being unjustly convicted and in prison for 20 years. And Reuben looks on the boy and says, we've come a long way, little brother. And Lester nods and says, Reuben, I just want you to know if this doesn't work, I'm busting you out of here. You are? Huh, says Carter. And after a moment of silence, Carter gets quiet and says, you know, hate put me in prison. It's love that's going to bust me out. And Lester responds, just in case love doesn't, I'm going to bust you out of here. (laughs) (laughs) And Carter laughs and he reaches out and he touches the boy's face and he wipes away a tear and he clenches Lester's hand And then he whispers, you already have, Lesra. You already have. Lesra's love had already freed Carter from that dark prison of despair and loneliness. God's love is reaching out to you right now, ready to unlock prisons and break down walls and Walls of selfishness and sin and unforgiveness and hurt and pain and loneliness. Love is that healing balm that makes not just the wounds, but even the scars go away. What do you love? Who do you love? Those are good questions to ask. But how do you love? I think, frankly, that's the most important question. How do you love? How do you really love? 
with God's love. Let that love in so that it can be in, born in you and through you and heal this very broken world of ours. My brothers and sisters, love because he first loved you. He does. He really does. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, because you first loved us, we have the opportunity to know what it means to be loved. Many here today know that love, but there are some that are bruised and broken and wounded and imprisoned, some who have put up walls. Give us the humility to hand all those over to you. Fill us with your divine love that we may be made whole and be the disciples of Jesus you call us to be. May we love because you love us in the name of the one whose other name is love. Amen. Thanks for listening. The Wayside Podcast is a ministry of St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. It was created by Ryan Presley and the Reverend Wesley Artney. It is executive produced by Robert Killingsworth. The theme music was written and recorded by Robert Killingsworth. Be sure to give us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to us. It's always appreciated. If you're interested in life at St. Martin's, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at St. Martin's Episcopal Church.